2020 legislative session is now underway. Governor Kim Reynolds laying out her legislative priorities. The condition of our state is truly strong. Because of the, the governor delivering last Tuesday her annual condition of the state address. Let's break down some of the key issues she touches on. Workforce has always been a priority included in her goals of increasing workforce in our state. She wants to address child care needs, licensing reform and restoring a felon's right to vote. She also discussed education funding as a priority and wants to add a constitutional amendment that says the state constitution does not protect abortions. She introduced a whole tax package as well, essentially a shift in tax policy for our state. It's an increase in sales tax, but then a decrease in income tax. It's called the Invest in Iowa Act. Basically, it will cut income tax by 10% for most, up to 25% for low-income residents, cut property taxes, raise the sales tax to fund mental health and the natural resources and outdoor recreation trust, specifically for water quality. Of course, a lot more policy was covered, but lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are still kind of digesting what the governor talked about. Local 5's political team spoke to newly elected House Majority Leader Matt Winschittle about his initial reaction to the speech. House Republicans have demonstrated for years that we're interested in making sure we're turning the taxpayers' dollars to them when the government doesn't need to spend them. So yes, that's part of the discussions that we're having. I'm hopeful that we can move in that direction, uh, whether it be part of the income tax cuts that the governor's talking about or maybe doing some property tax relief. Um, but again, that's part of the overall conversation that we have to have and figure out what the right policy piece is. Meanwhile, Iowa's convicted felons should be able to vote once they've served their time. That's the belief Governor Kim Reynolds outlined again in her speech in front of lawmakers. She even recognized a felon she recently restored voting rights for during her address this week. I recently called William to tell him that I was restoring his voting rights. And hearing those words brought tears to his eyes. You cannot imagine the gratitude and dignity that Iowans like William feel when they're told that they can once again exercise what Ronald Reagan called the crown jewel of American liberties. William, please stand so that we can recognize your efforts to become an active and productive citizen of this great state. That man the governor recognized during his speech went to register to vote at the Secretary of State's office right after the address. This is a picture of him signing up. In addition to what the governor laid out as her priorities, I sat down with her before the start of session to ask about issues not included. Overall, she says our state is in a good place. Well, really optimistic. Um, first of all, the fiscal health of the state is really good, and Iowa is in growth mode, even with some significant challenges. When you think about flood and when you think about trade mitigation and commodity prices, we still are growing. In fact, the last time the REC meant they bumped up the revenue. So that's a good place to be in and not where we've been in other years that I've been, you know, we've been preparing to move into the next legislative session. So um, I'm excited about that and I think we have a, lot, a great foundation to build from. So uh, a year ago in the condition of the state, I said now is the time to help Iowans who are looking for a way up. And uh, working with the legislature, we passed Future Ready Iowa. We funded it last year, and we're seeing great success from that. Uh, we passed the first uh, children's mental health system, which is, you know, we want to make sure that our kids and our families have access to services and they know where to go. So, 
you know, this year we've got to figure out a way to fund it, to fully fund it and make sure that it's sustainable. So that's something we'll be working on. But uh, Second Chances, which is a part of workforce, we did empower rural Iowa. We want to make sure that Iowa's success is every Iowan success, no matter where they live. And so uh, Second Chances, I, you know, that's something I'm passionate about. And felon voting rights wasn't something that we were restoring those, wasn't something that we were able to get across the finish line last year, but we've had some really good conversation conversations with uh, legislators, and so I'm optimistic about getting that done um, this year. Medical marijuana is another yep. issue that passed both the House and the Senate, but you uh, vetoed it. Yep. You said that there were some issues with the THC right. um, amount, and yep. do you think that that's something that you, the three bodies will be able to agree on this? Well, I said I certainly am open to having uh, conversations and I've actually had some. I agreed with every other piece of the legislation. It was just too large of a jump to go from a 3% cap to 25 grams over 90 days, which was 277 milligrams a day. And um, it's no surprise I'm not interested in legalizing mar marijuana and I don't want to get close to that. So this is a, a medical cannabidiol bill. I think it's a, it's a state of the art program. There's always things we can do to enhance it. And so we just, it's a big range from where we're at to where they were going, but I think there's a lot of room for us to, to find some compromise. So we're gonna keep working with both the House and the Senate and with the board and see if we can't find some compromise and, and move that forward. So I honestly am hoping that we can get something done this legislative session. Um, and so we're gonna just have to keep the conversation going and find out what find what that looks like. And on the felon voting rights note yep. um, that you mentioned, it, uh, we know it overwhelmingly passed the House. Yep. Um, but the Senate said, you know, if you killed someone or if you raped someone, right. then you right. shouldn't have your voting rights restored. Are you okay with that? I agree with that. Um, and I think even when the House passed it, they were help, trying to help me keep it alive so that we could start to have, we could continue to have some of those discussions. So I know the legislators over there are also interested in looking at some exemptions. Uh, what I like to refer to in what the conversations that we've had is in the employer shield that we passed last year, really helping provide some pr protections to employers that are willing to hire returning citizens or individuals with a record, um, it had exemptions in it as well. So that's probably a really good place for us to start from. But if you look at most of the other states, they have exemptions and they're, the, the majority do. And so we just need to figure out what those look like and again, find compromise and, and get it through, this, through each of the chambers. Do you think that there should be work requirements for Medicaid? Or do you think that kind of falls <laughs> under your workforce yeah. plan? So one of the, you know, the, some of the language that they looked at last year said that you need to either community service, workforce, or school, and Future Ready Iowa was a component of that. And so I've kind of taken the carrot approach, and we're really trying to identify underserved, underrepresented individuals, help you know, make them aware of Future Ready Iowa, the opportunities that exist, and then help them get the skills and, and ultimately into a career so they can take care of themselves and their family. Con the conversion therapy ban, banning yeah. conversion therapy in our yeah. state. Um, what, we've heard that some advocates really want to see this come forward this session. Uh -huh. um, Senator Schneider has said that he would definitely support a ban on conversion therapy. Senator Whitfer, though, said, I don't see that as a priority for our caucus. Mm -hmm. Would you consider that a priority of yours? Well, I'm going to wait and see what happens in the legislature. I don't think it's, you know, I'm not going to get out in front of the conversation that they're trying to have. So we'll work with both the House and the Senate and see where they, where they land with that. Have you 
thought about this though? Is this something that? Of course, you know, I have, but it's not something that's in my program. That's something that we can work with the legislature on and see where it goes from there. So we'll just have to wait and see. The minority leader in the Iowa House, Representative Todd Pritchard, always tries to have a positive attitude when it comes to a new legislative session. We chatted about his priorities. You know, I always start the session hopeful, right? It's a new year, it's a new decade, it's a new session. And so you always start out hopeful. And there are a lot of challenges in front of the state. I mean, there's a lot of challenges with health care, um, with the Medicaid privatization issues. There's a lot of challenges funding our schools and um, and a lot of challenges you know, with our economy, you know, with the farm economy where it is and things like that. And so we're always challenged. We're always challenged to improve the state and make things better. So I always start, I always start the, season, the, the session off as an optimist. Okay, so what are you optimistically hoping happens this session? Well, I, I'm optimistic and, I, and I'm pleased to hear that the governor has talked about uh, Medicaid and doing something about the, the Medicaid issue. I mean, this is a, a system that um, covers about 600,000 Iowans and it's it's not working the way that it should. And so restoring accountability into the system and making sure that we are acting as a watchdog on behalf of vulnerable Iowans is something that we're all about. And um, any discussion that we can, we can have to, to address the problems, I'm, I'm happy to hear and, I'm, and I welcome it. You mentioned property taxes. One thing that Senator Whitver has said is a priority of his is to somehow get property taxes in line, um, but you see all these levies, depending on the area, where they are, um, putting, making property taxes right. higher because they have to pay for fun. They have to fund things somehow. I mean, Iowa is one of very few states in the country that uses property taxes to pay for mental health right. care. Right. You know, we've we've talked a lot, and there's been a lot of uh, politicians here that have championed tax cuts. You got to ask yourself: Are they really tax cuts, or are they just tax burden shifts? And in, in my district, and what I've seen is I've seen a lot of burden shifting to local property tax owners, to farmers, to homeowners, and to uh, commercial businesses. And it's not sustainable in my mind. And so we've got to do something to address that. We've got to do something from a budgeting standpoint that's responsible and uh, allows the state to meet its obligations, not just a burden shift. You know, don't, don't, don't say that we're cutting taxes when all we're doing is, is shifting a burden. Last session, there was quite a bit of discussion about an amendment that would uh, demonstrate that abortion is not a constitutional right in the state of Iowa. Um, Senator, or excuse me, Representative Grassley said that that will likely be a discussion within his caucus pretty early on. Where do Democrats stand on this issue and why? You know, I think this is, again, this is. Democrats tend, tend to be um, pro-choice. But with that said, though, this is really an individual choice. I think making a blanket statement is you know, where our Democrats are on this issue, where our Republicans are on this issue. There's, it's not a, a strictly partisan a party issue. Um, but I think, you know, from, from my feelings on this is that this has been, at the federal level, uh, a right that's been recognized by the Supreme Court for you know, for close to 45, over 45 years. And Iowa, uh, through our court, made that same determination that this is a, a constitutional right. And so I, I support that right. And uh, you know, I think there are obviously those that feel very passionate on the other side and, and, and disagree. And those are the discussions we're going to have. And, and that's what we're here to do. 
but uh, I think you know, as far as, uh, as as my perspective on it, this is this is a right of a woman to make decisions for her own her own health care, her own body, and uh, that's an individual right that I that I respect. What would you say is maybe or the top three issues that you want to make sure at least have the opportunity for debate? We need to have a serious discussion about increasing wages in the state. Uh, wage growth is not where it needs to be. People are not getting paid, um, by and large, they're not getting paid enough to make ends meet. You've got too many families, too many, too many people working, too many jobs just to make things work, if they're working at all very well. And so we need to make sure that people who work for a living, full-time employment, are, are able to sustain their family and able to make ends meet and get ahead. Um, I, <clears throat> that's a high priority issue for us. The other thing, the other, I would say two other things then would be affordable and accessible health care across the entire state, urban and rural areas, districts like mine, um, where, where we're struggling with access to certain forms of uh, health care services, and then making sure that Iowa is a leader in public education, whether that's preschool, K-12, or higher education. We need to be a leader. Pritchard said he's, he wants the state supplemental aid increase to be 3%. The governor outlined a 2.5% increase in her condition of the state. Last year, the budget that came from the Republican-led legislature gave a smaller increase than what the governor's budget proposed. back. Senator Janet Peterson has concerns going into this session about closed door meetings to come up with that large tax package that would fund the important issues. She wants a seat at the table and wants all parties impacted to be involved. Senator Whitford told me that if, if they do do a, a large tax package this year, that he will not do it unless he can fully put together the votes. Um, within his own caucus. So to me, that indicates not a big interest on working in a bipartisan manner on a tax package. Interestingly, um, new leadership on the House side um, came out with a different message um, that if they are going to work on a tax package, they realize that it's going to take um, both parties coming together, which in the past, if you, you know, look at um, large tax packages, um, typically, um, it requires um, both parties coming to the table to work on work on that. If we could talk about education and um, education funding, but also policy on education, what policies you think you can see Republicans and Democrats agreeing on, and also what um, kind of state supplemental aid are you hoping to see from uh, from the legislative session. Yeah, I think the most important thing is that we get back to fully funding our public schools. We've seen um, year after year under Republican control, um, they have not given school districts enough for their classroom budgets to keep up with inflation. And we have parents um, from big school districts and small school districts explaining to us what they're seeing in the classroom because of the lack of funding increases that they've received from the legislature. So I'm hoping 
mean that we can make our public school system a priority. We certainly don't want to ship public school dollars um, to out-of-state corporations and to millionaires like we've seen uh, tax bills do in the past. Also, the privatized Medicaid system, which is the biggest corporate tax giveaway um, in the state's history. There has also been, there was a lot of rumbling last year, and there were some bills that were put forth um, regarding work requirements for some welfare, we'll call them, um, uh, state assistance. Do you believe that any sort of work requirements, and I mean, some of it was just even participating in Future Ready Iowa or doing 20 hours of community service a week or something like that. Do you think that those kind of requirements should exist? Well, one of the biggest concerns that um, Democrats have is companies that are um, misusing taxpayer dollars to continue providing low-wage employment to Iowans across the state. When you look at the number of Iowans that are in the workplace working jobs where they can't even afford the benefits that the company provides, the company doesn't pay them enough to pay for their child care, to even buy groceries, medication. I think we need to take a look at what type of employment practices that government programs are actually subsidizing for low-wage uh, employers. Do you think there's an abuse of the system out there? Oh, most absolutely. How do you fix that? Well, I think that your government um, programs should be set up to incentivize employers with decent employment practices. And one of the most decent employment practices that employers can provide to Iowans is a decent paycheck that allows them um, the ability to survive in our state. So you're talking about abuse of the system from the employer perspective, but what about from the recipient of welfare and of the recipient of different programs? I haven't had any cases pointed out to me about recipient abuse. Anything else you'd like to add or um, want to make sure that gets brought up or at least there's a time allowed for a discussion on any topics? Well, one thing that Democrats will be working on is um, better protection of our children. And um, once again, um, I'm going to be working on trying to improve Iowa's statute of limitations laws. Iowa is tied for last place with Ohio on um, this arbitrary deadline that doesn't allow survivors of child sex abuse to um, go after um, the perpetrator and those organizations that covered up the crime. And I don't believe you can open up the newspaper any day of the week without seeing some form of um, sex abuse that is occurring across our state. And we believe we've got to get a handle on it. And one thing we need to do is give those survivors a chance at justice and help us, um, help us make Iowa a safer place for our young people to grow up. Before we go, a little presidential politics for you. The Trump campaign launched their Women for Trump bus tour across five cities in Iowa this week, including Sioux City, Des Moines, and Davenport. It was an effort to reach a group of women that is trending more democratic, suburban women. We do realize that that is a demographic, suburban women, that we want to win over. And, and so having this bus tour is going to allow women the opportunity to come. Laura and Mercedes and Kaylee will, will uh, highlight the president's successes and how he has made mothers, women, families a top priority. 
The event features the president's daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, Mercedes Schlapp from the campaign, and RNC spokesperson Kaylee McKenney. Thank you for listening to the This Week in Iowa podcast. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. For the latest in Iowa political news, follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com.